I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Well, wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Hi, I'm Chanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Our interview today is a woman named Patty Johnson. We first heard of Patty by reading Miss Pamela's book, Let's Spend the Night Together. Patty has her own chapter, and it's amazing. If you can, check that out right now. If not, don't worry about it. We've got a great interview for you. So Patty Johnson is a groupie, a proud groupie, and she's going to tell you why. She's a groupie, writer, road angel, and hostess of the Groupie Roundtable, which we will be attending this summer. Patty is also the former head waitress at the Rainbow Bar and Grill, and she tells us about some pretty amazing encounters there. She's also the former merchandising lady, baby, at Van Halen. So we have a great interview. It's super fun. Patty is super inspiring. Enjoy the show. How are you doing? Were you born with these cool names? What's the deal? Yeah, both born uh, Shanti and Lynx, yeah. Well, kind of. That's crazy. Lynx is, <laughs> like, on her birth certificate, it is L-Y-N-X, but my uh, full name is Chantel, and it's it's a nickname. It's shortened to Shanti. Gosh, that's amazing. See, back in our day, we're just Pamela's and Patricia's and things like that. So, yeah, that's because uh, we got the dads that were uh, 
in the 60s, like living life. And my dad's definitely, yes. uh, he, he, he gets really angry if you call him a hippie, though. He's like, I was never a hippie. But my name kind of <laughs> makes me think otherwise. Ah, <laughs> oh, bless. Well, there are some, I do know some children whose names are Jovi. Like uh, John Bond? Yes. Amazing. Uh, Jagger. Yes. Jagger, yeah. Uh, Bowie. Yes. Bowie. When I was um, calling attendance one morning, it was a for real. Just like, like a rock Bowie. star. <laughs> Bowie, are you here this morning? Are you, are you a teacher? Mm-hmm. I've been an elementary my, school teacher for oldest, seven years. My oldest daughter is a kindergarten teacher. How long has she been doing that for? She is right now. She's um, finishing up her associates, so she has is uh, still going to school for. But she's doing it at a daycare, mm -hmm. and she's lead uh, teacher at a kindergarten. And my firstborn is named Layla. Nice. That's the best name. Oh, I love that name so much. Yeah. Yep. And I did that for the greatest muse ever lived. So. And you share a name with her. I do indeed. My husband said that to somebody once when, when he told them our daughter's name, they, the guy said, Oh, do you know why, where that name came from? And he goes, yes, my wife's name is Patty. <laughs> When I met George Harrison and I asked him to sign my book, uh, I Me Mine, he said, who's it to then? And I said, Patty. And he goes, oh, Patty, is it? <laughs> I was like, oh, I can die now. That was a great impression, too. Shanti has a good... The Liverpool. Uh, yeah, I can't. Well, it's very melodic. See, the Liverpool is different than um, the Northern English is different than the than the Queen's English because they go down and up, you know. <laughs> That's so it's funny. very lyrical. Like, I was in Liverpool two summers ago, and I was just in heaven. Yeah, same. I went um, when I was younger, when I was still living in California. I went, and it was amazing. And the first person that spoke to me at all was a woman. And she called me love. <laughs> like, okay, that's it. Okay, this we can't dream. We can't just skip by though. You meeting and talking to George Harrison. How did that happen? Can you tell us about that? Yes, when I lived in uh, L.A., um, we would get because I'm I'm equally a Beatle maniac as I am a uh, metal girl. Like I, I always joked that I couldn't decide whether I wanted to be Patty Boyd or Lita Ford. Mm -hmm. So I, we were, we would always go to Beetle Fest and we waited outside when you could still sleep outside for tickets. So you could get front row. We slept outside for Ringo tickets when he was uh, first on tour in 89. Um, for those of us that are this age, right? Not when he was first on tour, but, and then McCartney's tour. So around 89, it kind of popped again, the Beatles, and George was doing an interview for Rockline. So we heard about it, and we raced down there and waited at the radio station, and um, uh, all dolled up, of course. And so when his car pulled in, he was in a convertible, and we said, please, please, please stop, you know, batting our eyelashes or whatever. And um, he did because George was a real flirt. I mean, he was married at the time, but George definitely liked the ladies. And so 
he stopped the car and I said, could you sign my book? And it's, it was a hardcover first edition. I mean mine. And, um, so he let them stop the car and he said, who's it to then? And, um, when I said my name, he literally smirked and he goes, oh, Pessy, is it? And, uh, just hearing him say my name and knowing he'd said that name while he was fucking his wife was amazing. So, um, he signed my book. And um, then he went in and did the show. And then when he came back out, he came back through the garage. So there was a gate, you know, a garage gate. And we got our picture taken with him through the bars. So it looks like he's in jail, but that's on my page. So I have a picture with George. We were admiring that earlier. And if you'll notice in the picture, I always touch whatever rock star I'm getting a picture with. Um, and so I'm, I'm, t- I'm clutching his jacket through those bars. Um, but I always try and make a point of, um, not in a, not in a, um, intrusive way, but I always try and touch their chest in some way. Um, so that I'm not hu- taking a hug that I haven't asked for, but just lightly touch their chest because, you know, their heart is there, their chi is there, you know, their essence is there. And so I always try and gently put my hand on their chest um, while we're taking a picture because it's not too intrusive, um, but it's a nice picture and I can feel their heartbeat. Is that where your love of rock and roll came from? Like growing up, listening to the Beatles, uh, was music a big part in your household? Is Was your family into? Yeah, yes. My, my dad w- was always the one that would, like, say, stop and listen to this, and then he'd, he'd sing the lyrics or he'd t- tell us what the lyrics were. Or, um, like, I can remember knowing all the words to Inagata De Vida by the time I was, like, five, you know. Um, and um, my dad always made a point to tell us, you know, what the song was about or why they wrote it or whatever. My dad was my da- dad was really cool that way and um, and always gave really great advice. I always say I think his advice was why I was a groupie, because he said always told me, don't walk in like you own the place, walk in like you don't give a fuck who owns it. And I always thought that was great because then you don't look cocky but you don't look out of place either. That's great advice. Shanti and And I definitely relate to uh, having fathers who are a great influence on us. And definitely both our dads taught us a lot about music and we shared that passion for sure. And I find that people um, like when Pamela and I have been on programs that want to pick the groupie psyche apart, a lot of times they think we have daddy issues. And I find that to be, quite the opposite. Many of us have really great dad uh, influences. Um, and they seem to think we're seeking daddies in some way. And it's doesn't seem to be the case. But, you know, my mom was always the one that was like, oh, you can't do that if it was something like crazy or outrageous. And my dad would be the one to go, why not? Why can't you do it? Somebody's <laughs> got to do it. Why can't it be her? Oh, that's so cool. And on that note, too, you know, my mom was the one who picked apart the lyrics. So while my dad was on the kind of technical side of who wrote this, who produced it, um, my mom was very much everybody listen, but really listen to what they're saying. So I had it uh, on both sides. Oh, that's really cool. That was really cool. That's awesome. 
Well, I'm glad that you um, mentioned Pamela, and if we didn't already say it, we're so excited to be talking to you, Patty. Um, I feel like it's, you know, been a, a little bit in the making, and it's finally the time, and we just love the way that you talk about groupie culture, about groupies, and the first time that we read about you was actually in Pamela's book, Let's Spend the Night Together. You have a chapter. Yes, I do. I love Miss P. She's the best. She sure is. My my whole life my my whole life changed um, after being in her book. And what's crazy is I was a book uh, uh, excuse me I was a groupie long before I read um, I'm with the band um, because the, I'm with the band came out in '88 and I was a started to be a groupie in '81. But it was so validating to find out that so many that you know she spoke my language. She said everything that I was feeling, you know. Do you remember the first time you heard the term groupie? Was it when you were already going out to shows and kind of living that lifestyle? Or was it something you, you know, heard Isn't about? is funny? I cannot remember when I, yeah, I can't remember when I first heard the term. I just knew that I was and I was, and I was proud of it. And I wanted to make sure they knew I was. So that I didn't have to announce it, I like I could. It was just a given. So much like the GTOs, without ever having known anything about that, um, I would just make sure I was dressed uh, exactly like they would know what I was there for. So you know, a cocktail dress it at noon with fishnets and maybe a boa and. Um, you know, um, push up bra and just, you know, really, really, um, really putting it out there, you know, and standing by the trucks and buses, um, and almost always alone. I never took anyone with me because I couldn't be responsible for their ride or their, you know, what about me? You know, if somebody, if my rock star asked me to go somewhere, bye. You know, I'm out. Exactly. You know, it was on. So that was, yeah, so that was always the case. So it was never, it it was always went without saying what I was there for. It's interesting how many groupies do talk about how important the fashion was to them and like putting together a look. And I guess it's almost like going out on stage, like as a performance for a groupie, get your attire together, you get your look, and then you go out and, you know, impress. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And in the early 80s, I, I didn't have a lot to choose from. You know, um, you know, you probably wouldn't even recognize the names of these stores, but at the time there was no Victoria's Secret, so had to get the push-up bras and the um, fishnets from Fredericks of Hollywood, which you do know that one. But then you'd have to go to find your clothes. There were very few places. There was a place called Merry-Go-Round. There were um, Wet Seal wasn't even there yet. So you really had to find you know, some outrageous places to get your, your clothes. Um, we, you know, there were candy heels, you could get those, you know, but, um, you really had to put together your look, you know, hit and miss and, and make it crazy in different ways. Like a a feather roach clip, I would put that in my hair, you know, and just, just different ways to be, to stand out. 
We want to take a second to tell you about Lively. Lively offers bras and undies that blur the aesthetic lines of lingerie, active and swim, taking the best elements of high style and functionality from each category. Lively is where high style meets ultimate comfort. Soft fabrics, lounge-worthy fits, and clever details that support your life. Wear it all day because it's the most comfortable bra you'll ever wear. Seriously, Lynx wears hers all the time. Every time she's over to record, she's got it on. Lively offers a range of bra styles for all different body types, available in 32A to 44 triple D. Choose from bralettes, t-shirt bras, push-up bras, plunge bras, and no-wire bras. Find your new go-to pieces. Lively continues to push the boundaries while innovatively thinking of new ways to provide more options for women of all sizes and shapes. I got the no-wire push-up bra. I personally hate wires, but they kind of flatten out my chest, so this was so nice to get a no-wire bra that gives me some push-up, gives me some oomph, and I feel really sexy when I wear it. Okay, how awesome is this? At Lively, it's always one price for all. Any style, color, or size. At Lively, they believe in charging one price for all. Find the perfect fit using the fit guide that features Lively customers and a step-by-step process for any bra type that finds the right perfect fit for you. We loved how super easy this was, doing it from the comfort of our own homes. Free and easy returns using the prepaid shipping label included in every package. And if you refer a friend, for every friend that signs up for Lively that makes a purchase, you receive 100 points and that's $10. Cool. So for a limited time, get $10 off your first order by visiting wearelively.com slash muses and enter promo code muses at checkout. It's only available in the U.S. For a limited time, get $10 off your first order by visiting w-e-a-r-l-i-v-e-l-y dot com slash muses m-u-s-e-s and enter promo code muses at checkout bye i love how you embrace it you embrace the word you embrace everything about it and yeah i'm so excited to to ask you so many questions where did you grow up i grew up in battle creek michigan Wow. And it was so, so bad. <laughs> it was literally how it sounds. It was just a dead end. It was just a dead end town. And so, yeah, and so got my heart broken and was feeling really bad about myself. And just by a fluke, went to see Van Halen. And it was really such a good show because David Lee Roth at that time was such a performer. He still is, but he also looked like a Greek god at that time, too. And so um, the next day I went to school, and this little, like, freckle-faced girl in my class said she had followed him to his hotel and met him. And I was like, well, if she can do it, I can do that. So I just went to the next town and um, waited backstage or waited at the, you know, back door, and um, just met, um, it was, happened to be the head of merchandising, and he saw I I was wearing a Van Halen necklace, and he asked me where I got it, because it was bootleg, and um, I told him I got it from the local record store, and he said, if you get me the address of who makes this, I'll get you a backstage pass, and so I just went right back home, and 
asked to see the catalog. Could I order something else? And I got the address off the back and went to the next town and said, here's the address. And he was like, you're back. And I was like, yeah, you said you'd give me a pass. From there, I just kept following him, asking him for a job. And he finally hired me and I worked for Van Halen for like 12 shows on that tour. And, and then from then on, I was his lover. Oh, yeah, that's a wild story. And that's in high school. Did your parents know what you were up to? No, no. I was 17 and I was, I had a lot of trouble with my mom and, um, and I just took off with Van Halen and it really saved me because I was so broken down. Like literally that relationship was a bad after school special. Like it was so ugly. And I'd been through a lot of ugly stuff before that where like at 14 some girls cornered me in a phone book at phone booth and cut my hair I've always had long hair to my waist and they cut my hair off wow and then when I was 17 the boy I loved more than life itself like I can still remember how it felt to love him he I caught him with this girl and she literally had her arms around him and she goes What's the matter, Patty? Did you lose something? I mean, really, that kind of ugly stuff that only happens in movies. Honestly, I was like, that's like a scene so, from a high school film where you're like, no. Oh, my goodness. I know. It was so heartbreaking. So going on the road with Van Halen, I was staying in Hyatt's, Hilton's, and selling these T-shirts. Every night was a concert. And you know what that feels like oh, yeah. to a group. I mean, every night was a concert. And after the first three songs, my boss would go, go watch the show. Just get back here, you know, by the encore so I could sell more shirts. And so I watched the show every single night. My favorite band, my everything. What I now call Holy Grail. See, I made up this term. I mean, I didn't make up the term Holy Grail, excuse me. But what I call a Holy Grail rock star is different. And I explained this to Pamela. The difference between a holy grail and your favorite rock star is this i could fuck mick jagger on stage in front of an audience no problem if that's what he want you know if i could but your holy grail is someone you could barely form words in front of so you like love them so much you like almost couldn't speak and you're almost too scared to meet them because what if they don't marry you. What if they don't understand that they're meant to spend the rest of their lives mm-hmm. with you? I mean, you've, you've put so much on this rock star. Like, they're everything, right? And when I told that to Pamela, she goes, oh, I could talk to any rock star. And I go, oh, well, well I guess that's just you. And then she goes, oh, wait a minute. No, Paul McCartney. <laughs> so who's your holy so girl? She got, well, at the time, it was Nikki Six. And, like, I stood next to him on, on Motley Crue because I was dating someone in the opening act. And Nikki would stand next to me every night because Nikki really loved Y&T. He looked up to them because they used to open for Y&T, and they're a very good band. Um, and Nikki stood to my right every night of that tour, and I couldn't look at him. I, I always said I couldn't look to my right. That's what a holy grail is, not being able to look to your right. Because I knew if I looked to my right, I would spontaneously combust. Wow. So I just could not even look. I just looked at the guy I was dating, 
and vibrated. <laughs> That's all I could manage. And I did meet him later at the Rainbow because I was friends with Stephen Piercy of Rat. And he was like, oh, Patty, have you met Nikki? Nikki, this is Patty. Patty's Nikki. And he's like, hey. I'm like, hey. And I'm like, yep, there it is. See, he doesn't know he's supposed to marry me. I'm supposed to bear his children. That's exactly what I was afraid would happen. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> yeah, and it did. This is why I never went after him. Because when I went after rock stars, I got him. But I didn't dare go after him because I knew that that was what would happen. And it was devastating. So it's just, that's your holy grail. So like you can have this dream rock star, but your holy grail. I mean, I've had so many groupies tell me their holy grail story where they're like, oh yeah, it's John Bon Jovi. And somebody gave me a pass and I ran away because I cannot meet John Bon Jovi because I will die. Wow. <laughs> like, I know. So, Patty, I really want to ask you, I feel like the groupie scene in the 80s is one of the most judged and misunderstood of all of the groupie scenes. So I think it's really important to us to speak to the women who were there. So in your experience, can you tell us about what the groupie scene was like then? I can, but why don't you give tell me a little bit about what you think the misunderstanding was so I can understand what you're looking for. You know how the term groupie has changed so much over decades? It was something positive, and then it was something kind of looked down on, and maybe it's also just waves of where women and women's sexuality were kind of looked down on as well. And Oh, okay, so you think maybe it, it had more of a pure connotation in the 60s and 70s yeah. and you think it got okay well i think that um because maybe the 80s got way more decadent which is not true i mean if you watch the eagles documentary you see they were as decadent as any 80s rock star but i think i, I mean i guess i wouldn't know too much about the sleazy part of that 80s scene because I've always felt like like meets like so 
I've had some groupie friends who had some really crazy experiences, maybe even heard about some degrading experiences, but I didn't have any. And I think it's because the rock stars that want to do that, that want to have that kind of shove a champagne bottle up her ass or, you know, do it with gang bangs or whatever they want to do that's completely outrageous, which, by the way, Led Zeppelin and the shark, you know, I mean, it, it, that that wasn't the 80s, you know. Anybody that was looking for those kind of freaky, crazy, let's see how much we can do to this girl, was looking for a certain girl. And that girl would be maybe too drunk or... Um, that she seemed the type of girl that was up for that. Let's just say she, and I'm not saying she deserved it. I don't, maybe she was up for it, but because I didn't come across as that kind of girl, because I don't know if it was my little girl next door look, or because I was having an intelligent conversation with them and we were laughing. Uh, I'm kind of witty. So we would have some kind of repartee but they were having an intelligent conversation and I was definitely going to fuck them and blow them and do all the things they wanted. That shit was going down for sure. <laughs> but we were also having fun and a, and a great conversation. When you're having that, sh- you just don't see that girl as this one you can degrade and do that shit with. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I feel like I had the same experience where, backstage behind the scenes I never saw anything like negative happening I didn't see anyone doing things they didn't want to do or uh even now when people like ask me about being a groupie and things like that like they always they they have assumptions of like what that means or what that means you you do back there and you know it's just that's certainly not my experience like i'm sure you know those scenes happen and no. hopefully with people who are absolutely yeah. you know willing and want to be in that scene as well but yeah it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, i feel like some people just think and that's I, I like always backstage that. yeah yeah me too yeah. no never experienced that and i i think it's because they they wanted a certain type of girl if they were with me mm-hmm. and if they were with me then they got this different kind of package. And that package would be, you know, the full groupie experience, you know, right? The the groupie experience where, you know, you get the, um, you know, the whole, be, to me being a groupie is it's loving, it's nurturing, it's listening, it's laughing, and, and it definitely sex, you know, a lot of sex. But, but isn't that what sex is anyway? loving nurturing listening laughing i mean that's all a part of that too exactly exactly i mean and being a groupie is a full experience and honestly when i was a groupie sex was part of it but it was far from all of it Mm -hmm. most of the time you were listening most of the time you were cuddling most of the time you were talking and laughing and these guys just wanted to not be alone yeah so you move to L.A. and you get a job at the Rainbow Bar and Grill on Sunset. And you work there for a couple years, right? 85 no, to... I worked there for almost full decade, 85 to 93. Amazing. So I'm... almost the full decade. 
So how did that come about? What brought you there? Tell us about the atmosphere there. I told everybody I was going to work for Van Halen. I told everybody at my school I was going to work for Van Halen. And within three months, I did. And then when I was moving to L.A., I said, I'm going to work at the Rainbow. And the first night I went in the Rainbow, I um, mentioned to um, some old timer that was um, sitting at a table that I needed a job and I wanted to work at the Rainbow. And he said, hey, Tony, come here. This girl needs a job. And he said, um, how old are you? And I said, 21. And he said, have you ever waitressed before? And I said, yeah, for three years. And he said, when can you start? And I said, now. And he said, go upstairs and talk to John. Wow. So I got my job that night. And I never left. And now a break in our show to tell you about StoryWorth. Everyone has a family member who always tells the best stories. For me, that was my grandpa, or also known as my poppy. But now his voice is only a memory. If only we had this thing back then. Um, who was that for you, Lynx? Definitely my father. He always has the most crazy, fun, interesting stories, and I always get excited when he tells me a new one. Not only does StoryWorth preserve these narratives so future generations can enjoy them, but it also brings families together every week as they get to know each other better. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly emailed story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask. At the end of the year, they'll get their stories bound in a beautiful hardcover book. Strengthen your family bonds and get to know your loved ones better in a whole new way. So this is how it works. First, purchase a subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. Then... They simply reply to this email with their story. All stories are private and only shared with family that you choose. After a year, their stories will be bound into a beautiful keepsake book. You can really stay connected to your loved ones. I don't live in the same city as a lot of my family members, so it's a fun activity to do together and helps you feel closer. Absolutely. You can learn about your relatives and preserve your memories and pass them on to future generations. If you can't think of things to ask, don't worry. You get one year of weekly prompts and at the end, a hardcover printed book. The data is secure and everything is private by default. You control who sees the stories. So this is going to make a great Father's Day gift. Even if it's last minute, don't worry. You still have time. Just a reminder, it's June 16th. Yeah. Do you have any stories that you'd like to preserve? Yeah, we've got a bunch. One of my favorites is when my little brother was tiny and my grandparents were watching him. And that day for lunch, he had hot dogs and craft dinner and he watched my grandfather chop wood. And my mom came home and she said, how was your day? And he said, it was awful. I didn't get no craft dinner. I didn't get no hot dogs. And prepared made me go outside and he said, you chop wood. <laughs> Wow. Well, for $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash muses when you subscribe. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash muses, M-U-S-E-S, when you subscribe. So what I love about that with the Van Halen experience, with the Rainbow experience, is that you imagined it in your mind you had a plan to do it. You said that you were going to do it. And then I think, or I believe, and this is what I'm starting to really understand and believe about, you know, the law of attraction and manifestation is that you fucking believed that you were going to do it, yeah. that you deserved it, that you were worthy of it. And you believed with all of your being that you were going to do it. And that's why you did it. And I think that when people talk about, oh, the secret, right? The book. 
about the, the called the secret. I always think, oh God, groupies knew the secret <laughs> long before that book ever came out. And Miss Pamela's favorite um, Bible verse is, "It is done to you as you believe." And that that's what I'm saying. The secret's been in the Bible all along. You know, all you have to do is believe it. And to me, it's not a matter. It, it is manifesting because all it means is if you believe you are going to do something, if you want something, then all you have to do is not, you know, put any limitations on it. Mm -hmm. So for me, I said I was going to work for Van Halen and I didn't care if it took three months or 20 years and it took three months. And same with the rainbow. I knew I was going to work at the rainbow. I just didn't know I'd get hired the first night. Wow. So to me, as long as you don't put limitations on it, anything can happen. I think that's where people get screwed up. They think that if you, that you're believing in fairy tales, if you say, well, I'm going to manifest this. No, as long as you don't, I didn't say it would happen tomorrow. I just said it's going to happen. Yeah. And somehow to me, that's where the magic happens. Because when you stop limiting yourself, it comes so quick, it'll blow your mind. That's so true. Yeah, Shanti has taught me a lot about manifestation. And uh, I've definitely seen it work. It, it works when you believe in yourself and you believe in, you know, destiny. And yes, and the negativity comes from you going well it's not happening yet it's not yeah. happening yet or it has to happen by this time it has to happen by this time those are the limits that you're setting that and that's all negativity so when you go oh it'll happen because i don't care when it happens so that's how i know it's going to happen because i don't even care when that's when the magic opens up and it's like tomorrow it happens because yeah. there's no limit Oh, I love that. It's um, like I heard uh, about placing an order with the universe. You put out what you'd like. You'd say, this is what I would like or this is what I desire. And it's yes. like going to a restaurant yes. and placing your order and then you sit and you wait and yep. you know that it's coming, but it's not up to you to be like, when yes. is it coming? It needs to be here now. And then you go back into the kitchen and you're like, hey, right. is my order coming? And yes. don't make it like that. I want it like this. Yes. It's like... No, you place your order, you sit, you chat, you wait with your friend, you have a good time, you enjoy your life, and your food and your order, it will arrive when it is supposed to, yep. and it'll be great. It's a, they always say that there's a parable about that, too, about putting it in the inbox, and every time you yank it out of the inbox to see if it's finished, it goes back on the top of the pile. So That's amazing. <laughs> Obviously, your time at the Rainbow was really an important part of your life. I saw you have a tattoo of the rainbow as well, right? I do. I do. And it's my, it, it, it's, it was the best time of my life besides having my children were, and being married. So, were many of the staff also groupies? I imagine this would have been like the perfect job for a group. You know, I, I, I think, yes, I met some of my groupie friends there. Yes. They they had been groupies and came to the rainbow. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, some of my best friends I met I met there and they were they were groupies. Um, so I think that that's definitely um, because we came Hollywood, especially in the eighties. It's like 
it was a city of outcasts. Everybody that didn't fit in in their town flooded to Hollywood, especially in the 80s. You know, that hair band, flyers papering the strip, all of those kind of people that did not fit in in their town, boys with makeup and girls with big hair and, and you know, we came to Hollywood and then we fit in. Mm-hmm. We were a city of outcasts, but we fit in right there. And um, so, yeah, it was a big influx of people that all thought the same way. Do you have any standout moments from your time there that you, you know, really love? Oh, oh my God. Well, my first date was on my first night working at the Rainbow, and that was with Tammy Down. Amazing. Tammy, um, I lo- and he was so gorgeous. I mean, he's beautiful now, and we're still friends to this day. But he was beautiful then. He was at his absolute peak. I always say he looked like Marilyn Monroe with a cock. He was so <laughs> fucking hot. And um, and we went out that night and dated for a few months. And I think another standout time is um, talking to Johnny Rotten. That was amazing. Wow. Because um, I asked his autograph. I was afraid that it could go really badly because you never know what an anarchist is going to say when you ask for his autograph. <laughs> but, um, but I said, um, excuse me, Mr. Leiden, can I have your autograph? And he said, sure. And so he gave me his autograph. And then we were looking at the dance, watching the dance floor together. Cause he just ordered a Budweiser. He's totally chill. And he goes, so what do you think the difference is between punk rock and heavy metal? And I said, I think it's the shoes. And he goes, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I always had a good one-liner ready. I was always really fast on my feet, and that's what saved my ass with rock stars because (laughs) otherwise I think I'd have been dead in the water. Rock stars don't suffer fools gladly. That was good that I was fast on my feet. (laughs) For sure. Because otherwise I don't think I don't think I would have made it very far, you know. Just you know, just going, I don't know (laughs) doesn't go very far with a rock star, right? So being fast on your feet really helped a lot because um, they really they really respect, especially because it's the English because they're very have a very dry wit. So if you can hang with that, you're good. Um, And I became best friends with Lemmy. I was just going to ask you about him. Uh, All the photos you have of him. I love him so much. I. I still, I still mourn him dearly. I think I mourn him as much as I mourn any family member. Um, he was one of the best friends I ever had. And um, the last time I saw him, um, we talked and he had, he was getting sick and he took both my hands in his and he said, Pat, I just want you to know the world's a better place because you're in it. Oh my God, was what really a sweetheart. Lovely. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you hear lots he really of stories. Was. He was the only one that could call me Pat. I always hate that. <laughs> you can get away with it. But oh, he was beautiful, beautiful. And he was so funny. This is my favorite Lemmy line. He would bring his lyrics in all the time, all the time for me to read. And he would say, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And, um, and um, 
I would say, you know, he said, I, th I thought about this, but then I changed it. And I think this, and I said, yeah, but you remember what Kerouac said, first thought, best thought. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he goes, well, that's just fucking lazy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, yeah, well, you know, if Kerouac was anything, he was a lazy fuck. So, you know, it was hilarious. Only Lemmy would think Jack Kerouac was lazy. Oh my, oh my god when did you meet him um i met him at the rainbow he moved to los angeles in like 89 and he came in the rainbow every single night played pac-man and we would just sit there and talk and he he just loved me we just got each other because we just quoted python and he's a huge beetle fan and so we would talk beetles because i know everything there is to know about the beetles and so does he he was in the beetles fan club as a kid he played his original band was called um, the Rockin' Vickers, and he played the Cavern Club, and we both loved Monty Python, and so, I mean, we just had everything in common, and we have, he would text me from around the world or send me letters. I have letters from him where he called me his lion-hearted girl, and oh, it was just beautiful. It was a really beautiful friendship. When he got ill in Berlin and they thought he wasn't going to make it. Um, I knew everybody was blowing up his phone. I knew Slash and Nikki Six and all his, Dave Grohl, I knew all his friends were blowing up his phone, real important people. So I didn't want to bother him, but I was worried. So I sent him a text that said, Lemmy, I hear they're holding you hostage in a hospital in Berlin. If it's if you're, if it's you, give me a sign. What was the first uh, single the Beatles did with Tony Sheridan? <laughs> and he texted back one line. It said, "Cry for a shadow on Parlophone." <laughs> yeah, you never hear like a, a negative story about Lemmy. He seems like such an amazing guy, and everyone who knew him clearly really loved him. Yeah. He was re he was the real deal. He was the real fucking deal. He was not. He didn't suffer fools gladly either. Yeah. But he was a gentleman. He was a gentleman and a, and a beautiful human being. And um, and that's where I met Billy. I met Billy Idol at the rink as well. Ooh, another Englishman. Yes. And he was a lot of fun too. I met Billy Idol once, and I was standing a little bit away from him, and he just sauntered over to me and said where were you last night that's that was the opener <laughs> oh oh yeah see he had the best lines like that see i hit on him immediately because i didn't want another girl to get to him so i i saw him i honestly thought he was just some guy trying to look like billy idol at first <laughs> i didn't realize it was him at first but when i did i just flew down the stairs and skidded to a stop and just totally can I get you anything and he <laughs> really knew what that know. meant I meant anything oh yeah and um so I asked him if he wanted to smoke a joint after work and he said yeah so um we went home together that night but another time um I saw him he I gave him my number again because they never keep your numbers and so I was listening to his music at my house, and it was turned up really loud. So when my phone rang, I had to say, hello, hold on, hold on. And I turned down my music, and he said, hey, Patty, it's Billy. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. The music was so loud. I was getting my Billy Idol fix. And he literally said, and, 
and it, Pamela uh, wrote, uh, wrote it a little bit wrong in the book. He literally said, really, would you like the real thing? I went, oh, fuck me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's yes. just, that is like, that's like in a movie. That it's shit doesn't really dream happen. right there. Right? You've lived the groupie oh, dream. Have you ever thought right. about really writing have. your own kind of full-length autobiography yes, I have. I really, I really want to write my own memoir. You know, Pamela told me it'll be the bravest thing I ever do, so I, I'm a little nervous about it because it, it, it is hard because it's hard to get into it and edit your life. I, I'm afraid of that, I think. I'm afraid that I'll just get bogged down in it, you know? Yeah, you are kind of like I have reliving let it, it all when you write it out you know? like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to. And the groupie roundtable has been going on since Let's Spend the Night Together came out. So next year is our 13th groupie roundtable. Tell us about that. Well, the groupie roundtable started after the book release party for Let's Spend the Night Together. And so uh, several of us who were in the book decided to just go to the uh, rainbow. And we just happened to be sitting at a round table. And we were all just talking about what it's meant to be a groupie and how we all, without even knowing each other or reading Pamela's book, because we were before Pamela's book, knew what to do and, and what it was like to be a groupie and how sometimes a groupie makes a rock star. A rock star doesn't make a groupie, you know, sometimes. Yes. It goes the other way. And so we started calling it the groupie roundtable because we were also talking about holy grails. What's the difference between your holy grail and your favorite rock star, right? Because we fucked our favorite rock star. We still haven't got our holy grail, yeah. right? Yeah. So we were... So it became the groupie roundtable, right? And um, your holy grail is magic. Like my holy grail, I have a couple because you got to have a spare grail because sometimes your holy grail will let you down. You know, mm. like Nikki Six started going fucking Kat Von D. That was rough on me. It's like, God, she's so vapid. Oh. Nikki, what are you doing? I couldn't deal with it. And so I kind of shifted to Vince Neal. And that was lovely because Vince gives you a lot of beautiful attention. His eyes sparkle. He blows you kisses. And he makes you feel like the only one in the front row. It was lovely. And meeting Vince, oh, meeting Nikki. Nikki's very much a narcissist. Meeting Vince, I'm sure he's a prima donna to his band. But when I met Vince, oh, he made me feel, he put the uh-huhs in the right place. He... He made me feel special when I was being goofy and giggly and probably completely dumb because I didn't know how to speak. And he was lovely to me. So lovely. So that was great. So it's nice to have a couple grails, you know, that make your, we call it, you know, holy grail magic. It's just, you know, there's also the curse of the grail <laughs> when your grail lets you down and you just have to stop listening to their music for about a month or you'll you know, die. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know how it is when you go to your concert and then you have the concert let down because you've been planning for it for a month and then the concert's over and you go home and you go, it's the day after Christmas. <laughs> yeah, we call that the groupie blues. 
It is. It's the groupie blues. And sometimes that means you can't even listen to the music the next day because you're just like, oh, it's too hard. Only a true so groupie that's knows groupie and understands this. <laughs> yes. Yes. So the groupie roundtable, all groupies are welcome. All. And this is where it gets, this is where uh, I've made things clear to people. This is my theory on being a groupie. You do not have to fuck a rock star to be a groupie, but you have to want to. Otherwise, you're a super fan. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yes. Okay. This is so cool because I love and we love, you are open, you are proud to be a groupie. I believe we, because we've been talking back and forth um, online and you said you're, you know, so happy to be a part of the groupie revolution and there are still plenty of rock star loving women out there who prefer not to be associated with the term right and i'm married okay so i'm not fucking rock stars anymore but i want to (laughs) here's my theory so there's a lot of girls out there that haven't had a uh, rock star experience yet And so they'll say to me, well, can I come to the groupie round table? I haven't fucked a rock star. This is what I tell those darling angels. I say, just because you haven't fucked a rock star doesn't mean you're not a groupie. They're a guitar, a Les Paul comes off the assembly line. It hasn't been played yet. Does it mean it's not a guitar? Of course it is. And you put that in the hands of a rock star. You just wait to hear that fucker sing. You are still a groupie. Because once you get in the hands of a rock star, baby, wait to hear you sing. That is like the best quote ever. We'll be using that one. (laughs) That to me, that to me is why these girls don't have to feel bad. But I do get upset, very upset at the, the, like I'm very, uh, Almost Famous was an almost perfect movie. That's why it says almost in the title. Because Pamela has the same problem with it. Band-Aid. What in the ever-loving fuck is a (laughs) Band-Aid? It is not a groupie. It is a made-up word. It is a made-up word. We are groupies. Exactly. We're here when they say, because, okay, I had this conversation when Margaret Moser was alive, also patron saint of groupies, God rest her soul, love her. She had a MySpace page, yes, MySpace, (laughs) called Old School Groupies. And I was proudly on it. She she put me on it proudly, and she we oh, I loved her. And so it, rock stars were welcome. Roadies were welcome, and there were some great roadies on there that taught me a lot. Um, one was Johnny Watkins, and he was a roadie for the coolest people you could ever want: uh, Blue Oyster Cult, Nugent. Um, a whole bunch of old bands that I can't even think of right now, ELO, a um, bunch of people. And he said that they used to call groupies road angels. Oh, road angels. That's so lovely. If that's not the best. Aww. And he said those girls would remember their birthdays, the roadies' birthdays. They would send them letters. They would always remember them. And so when somebody... Um, I went on a tangent once and I said, I am so fucking sick of people saying we're here for the music. You know, those slags are just, you know, sluts. And I was like, okay, I got to put a stop to this right now. Just 
okay, you think because we're having sex with rock stars that we're not here for the music? That doesn't have to be a mutually exclusive thing, ladies. Yeah. We're here for the music, too. Just because we want to fuck these gorgeous men who make the music doesn't mean we're not. And so Johnny came to uh, our defense and said, if, if they're not here for the music and to, for sex, who the hell let them in the back door? Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody lets a groupie in if she's not here for some fun, A. And my friend Tim Napalm of the hormones was like, what the fuck? Do you think is going to happen when you put a gorgeous musician together with a gorgeous girl and they're talking about music? Are we going to bake brownies or are we going to fuck? <laughs> because <laughs> hell yeah. He goes music he goes music is a sexual sensual subject to be around. He said rock and roll is a euphemism for sex. I mean, good Lord, it's just a sexual environment. Yeah. It just vibrates sex. So, so to me, I always hated that. Like, oh, the girls fucking the rock stars are just sluts, and we're here for a higher purpose. It's like, no, the highest purpose is to take care of all the needs of the rock star. I mean, that's the highest purpose. Yeah. Whoever was saying that we're here for the for like the music and not to do this is either delusional or they're lying. Yeah. Or, or God bless their hearts were rejected for yeah. the fucking. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, Nobody I, wanted to fuck them. Um, you're so right about so many things. Yeah. And I mean, we could go on tangents forever about, um, Cameron Crowe and how in a way he did really good things for, um, groupie dumb yes. with that movie and then how he totally yes. shot himself in the foot by putting out roadies and the depiction of women in that series. Um, yeah. right terrible, but like Sapphire, she was smart. Sapphire was smart. Sapphire's line was the best line of the movie about loving a band or a little piece of music so much it hurts. She got it. She understood it yeah. 100%. True groupie soul. But right Penny there. trying to kill herself, yeah. trying to kill herself over a rock star, that's not a thing. There's always another rock star. Yep. That's not a thing a groupie does. You're so, you, it's so empowering to this man who mesmerizes. Third, he holds 30,000 people in the palm of his hand. And after the show, you're holding him in the palm of your hand. Literally. Hell yeah, sister. Because he's like making them come to this orgasmic, you know, musical climax. And then it's up to you when he comes. Yes. <laughs> you're in control. You're in power. And so that was what always got me that... Oh, we're some kind of victim. Um, no, I'm the one in control. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it was really bad because Miss Pamela was on a, a great show with me. We thought it was the, the producers told us they want on Dr. Keith Ablo. Uh, it was a psychiatrist, I guess. So he said they wanted to examine the psyche of a groupie. And I thought, oh, that'll be really interesting. In, in, you know, intellectual, that's fun. I, I, let's do that. 
So I went on with Pamela, the Rocker Twins, and me. And the first thing that happened when I sat down was he said, so you traded sex for your job with Van Halen. And Miss P was behind the the curtain with the Rocker Twins, and she goes, what a dick. Hold (laughs) on, girls. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, that's just... That's just like shaming women for their sexuality. That's has well, nothing yeah, to do with to rock me, and roll. It was like, well, no, because t- I told him, well, I'd been giving it away to these high school boys who never called me back. To me, having sex with my boss while I worked for Van Halen seemed like a really great deal. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's as long as you're having fun and you're where you want to be. Like, why should anyone try to shame you for that? It's crazy. He was so good to me, girls. You have no idea how that man saved me. Because we were together four years off and on while Van Halen was on tour. And when Ingve broke my heart, broke me, broke me, told me to get out before he got back from his tour while we were living together and supposedly in love, I got on a bus in Burbank, took it to Providence, Rhode Island, three and a half days on a Greyhound, got off because that's where Van Halen was and the whole you couldn't get a room because Van Halen was there and off comes my boss off an elevator he goes what the fuck are you doing here Lo they called me Lolita <laughs> for right reasons I was 17 that was my um, nickname as what well what are you doing here Lo see <laughs> now I wasn't Lolita I was older there but but I was at the time he's what are you doing here Lo what the fuck are you doing here he takes me upstairs and I tell him my sad story and he goes Hey, tell that fucker to get a real name. You don't need him. You've got Van Halen. And he took me on tour until I was whole again. You see, rock and roll saves lives, not like Penny Lane trying to it does. end it. Yeah. No, it does. And that was the tour. How, how, you know how music is. That's the tour where I stood in that crowd lis- listening to David say, You've got to roll, roll, roll with the punches to get to what's real. And I said, that's right. That's right. That's all I got to do. Are you still involved with music? Are you going to shows? Totally. Yes, I still go to shows, but I'm pretty picky. um, Because I am just one of those people that I love what I love. So I go see my friends. So I never miss Faster Pussycat. I never miss any member of Motley Crue. I'm really into John Karabi, who was a lead singer for uh, Motley Crue um, for one album. But he's so gifted. So he does solo work. He's with the Dead Daisies now. And he is gorgeous. Also very down to earth and a sweet guy. So he's a grail as well. but But I know him. But uh, so I see any member of Motley Crue, um, Faster Pussycat, um, always saw Motorhead when Lemmy was alive, um, any of the Beatles. And otherwise, I only see shows that my daughters convinced me to see, but my daughter has excellent taste. So when she would drag me to see My Chemical Romance, wow, are they fucking amazing. Um she dragged me to see the killers. That was a religious experience. Um, um, so I don't go to a lot of shows. Oh, I went to see the Eagles when I was in LA. That was fun. Um, but I don't go to a lot of shows 
that I'm not like re- that I don't know every word. I like to know every word. Yeah. That's my kind of thing. That sounds um, great. Yeah, that's so cool that you get to share that with your daughter as well. We were actually sitting here wondering, did they kind of follow in your footsteps? Yes. <laughs> and my yeah, my youngest daughter Lena, she is super into K-pop. Super wow. into K-pop, man. So I'm learning that whole thing. Wow, talk about Beatlemania in a new genre. Yeah, Ooh. I've worked some of those shows yeah. before and they're just those fans are something else. They're the most happy, dedicated. Isn't it, a, isn't it a beautiful thing to say? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It really is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh. I'm a good mom. I sat through four hours of K-pop <laughs> with my daughter. Wow. That, that was a good thing. I, wow. um, I remember, um, but, I, but, you know, I'm glad. I want girls to empower themselves with the word groupie because... Um, I do remember a couple of not nice things that happened when uh, people heard I was a groupie. And um, I, I wrote about it in the book, but I, it, it, those were the things that upset me, and those were the times I was glad I was fast on my feet. And one of those times was at Ringo. I was um, dressed as a groupie, waiting outside um, the backstage. And some woman walked by me, and she said, what are you supposed to be? First of all, who does that? But I, I just said, I'm the reason they picked up their guitars in the first place. Yep. Because they all say that. They will. All of them. Clapton said it. The Beatles said it. Every, almost every musician says they got more girls when they started playing guitar. Definitely. And the other thing that really annoys me is, why are groupies sluts, but regular people that pick somebody up at a bar are just dating. I don't understand that either. I guess there's like a, because, a jealousy there you know, maybe. Right. Because I I know that um when Pamela was writing the book, one of the people she interviewed told her, "This is what people think of us." Um oh, what a rousing endorsement. Um, to be the receptacle of a rock star's sperm. And a friend of mine said, well, what's better, to be the receptacle of an accountant's sperm? (laughs) And I thought, exactly. Exactly. What's the difference? I'd rather be a rock star. And I told this one woman at the Rainbow, because she overheard me, I wasn't talking to her, talking about being a groupie, and she was very rude and she said don't lower yourself and I said listen you're sitting here at the bar and you very well could pick up somebody you just met leave in a pinto grab a six-pack and go to the motel six and have sex with somebody that you just met I could leave here in a limo with champagne go to the four seasons with somebody I just met that I saw on MTV. The only difference is I got the better deal. I love it. No, it's I. I really like the some of the insights that you gave, and and um, I just love how you find empowerment from it, and so do we. And that's the whole point of this is just keeping on spreading that good groupie word and uh, saying it as much as possible. And I think we might have a record in any episode ever of how many times we did in fact say the word groupie. 
I love that so much, and I love this podcast. What you girls are doing is amazing, and everybody that you post about are my heroes. So, Thanks, Patty. I, actually, um, that's cool that you know Kristen Casey. Yes. I reached out to her when she wrote her book, and I told her what how amazing I thought it was. She is she is really really she's so empowering and she's so sweet and she, she's she's great. And as Pamela, Pamela is one of the most down to earth amazing earth angels one could ever know have the pleasure of being friends with. And that's it. And that's it. You you nailed it. It's just that, you know, we're all so intelligent. We're not just, ha, 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 I don't know. You know, we're all beautiful. Yeah. We all have so many talents and gifts. And um, that's why we're able to kind of keep up with the rock star. And it's something to be celebrated. And I'm so happy that there are round tables and these books and these writing workshops and now these podcasts. And uh, I'm glad that we've all found each other. And I hope that we can all get together in person one of these days. I would love that. I would love you girls to come to a round table. The round tables, sometimes they're big, sometimes they're small. But as long as it's a sisterhood, I'll keep doing them forever because it's just so empowering to have us all together and um, have that kind of vibe there. So I would love to have you girls there. You would certainly be the guests of honor. This year we're having Alex Izzo, who was Frank Zappa's muse. Wow. Um, One of his muses, of course. Obviously, Gail was his biggest muse, but... um, Alex Izzo wrote a book about Frank, and um, she's going to be there this year. And she's a good friend of Pamela's and one of my best friends. Amazing. Well, let us know when and where, and we will try our best well, it'll to be there. It'll, yes, it will be this October, and it's usually every October. So if you can't make this one, um, you can always plan for the next. Well, it's... so just so happens that we are planning our first trip to California this fall. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. We don't All right, have well, a... I'll tell you the date the minute I get it. Amazing. We don't have a date for us set in stone. We just kind of know that we're heading in the fall and we uh, yeah. can't wait. It's going to be our next big um, travel adventure together. The last one is going to be hard to talk. See, that Nashville. would be amazing. I'm trying to get Kristen there. I'm trying to get, uh, and I know that if you're there and Alex is there, I know Miss P will be able to come. So it will be, it would be amazing. And we always do it at the rainbow because it's tradition. So, well, that might have to be then the definitive thing that we plan the trip around, like the definitive anchored date. So let us know. And then, and then we'll book the tickets. Oh, I will. I will. I will. And and uh, I know Pamela can show you around on the rock tour and um, show you all the fun things. But I would love, love, love for you to come. That would be that would make it the lucky 13 for sure. Okay, amazing. As we wrap up here, Patty, is there anything else that um, you'd like to say? And if not, definitely, um, if you would like to share anything social media wise, um, let us know how to do that well i'm on i'm on instagram just patty johnson um patty with an i johnson with an s-e-n and my facebook page is the same and i also have a facebook page for the groupie roundtable but uh, i don't keep it up as well as i should just got all our pictures from every roundtable but 
definitely we just love you to come and see us and hopefully I will get a memoir started. I have let it bleed and I'm using it as a Bible so that I can try and get my muse on here. Well, we can't wait for that day. And uh, maybe, yeah, you're just going to get that tingle and that spark of inspiration and you're going to go now's the time today's the day and you just sit and wherever it is That's you start right. <laughs> you just start even if it's not at the beginning maybe it's in the middle however you do it you're just gonna do it and whatever it is that you do do it will be fantastic so thanks darling all right well thank you so you guys are great much. oh you're great this was uh, such a such a dream i can see why everybody loves doing your podcasts oh, thank, thank you so you. much Thank you so much. This was a real pleasure. Okay, well, have a great weekend and much, much love and good vibes. Much love to you. Good vibes and bye for now, Patty. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favored children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine have been described as Umberto Echo meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.